I'm ready. to episode 188 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And this episode around, we finally have the interview with Jace Lewis from Ascension of the Watchers, among other things. Uh, was an interesting chat with Jace talking about uh, things from throughout his career, hooking up with Burton and Ascension of the Watchers, and... Um, the interesting uh, crossover with Star Wars as well, which um, which really was kind of the catalyst of me wanting to uh, interview him. And um, yeah, so I think the interview turned out pretty cool. Um, I, I appreciate the work that he's done with Ascension of the Watchers. If you're into what the band has done in the past, this is kind of a, a heavier iteration of their previous few albums in the sense that um, there are songs that get closer to uh, stuff like um, uh, so, so, some of the slower stuff from from Fear Factory, stuff like uh, Dark Bodies and, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so in that sense, I think this is closer to that end of the spectrum within Fear Factory. We don't really talk about Fear Factory. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of drama going on there right now. Uh, and also, Jace was never part of the band, so it'd be kind of unfair to uh, to bring all that up. Um, I want to send a shout-out to my patrons, Mike Jones, Jeremy Weltman, and Steve Hoker. Thanks, you guys, for uh, signing up on Patreon. And, um, I mean, as little as two bucks a month gets you an additional podcast and gets you all these great videos that I'm posting that these guys are, are chiming in on and, uh, we're doing, um, polls. I'm trying to do daily polls and, uh, just different questions and different things to kind of keep, um, you know, the interaction going, um, yeah, so it's 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 a lot of fun. So anywhere between two bucks to twenty five bucks, depending on uh, what you'd like to uh, receive and what you would, um, <laughs> how far, how much you're in for what for what I do basically here with Mars Attacks and and with the other various podcasts. But uh, yeah, if you go to MarsAttacksRadio.com, all the way to the right in the um, right on top of the menu bar there you'll find the Patreon logo. Just click on that and you'll go over and find um, and find my Patreon page. I also co-host a show with um, Mark Striegel of Talking Metal on his Patreon. A similar deal, two bucks a month, gets you access to that. And uh, that's patreon.com forward slash Talking Metal, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we've also got links to PayPal and... Uh, Amazon and all that good stuff right there on MarsTaxRadio.com. If you click on uh, support the site, you'll find all of the um, the great links. And you know, if you're wanting to purchase something off of Amazon and you're not in the states, there's also links to various sites 
uh, various Amazon sites from all over the world. And uh, I need to say this, that because I'm affiliated to Amazon, uh, I do receive a kickback uh, based upon any purchase that is made, any qualifying purchase that is made. Uh, so there you go. I want to keep receiving whatever money they send my way. So um, that's that. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, I want to promote the Signals from Mars live stream every Friday night at 6 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific, um, every time zone in between in the States, and that's 11 p.m. in the UK, and midnight between Friday and Saturday um, for those in Europe, for those in Central European time. You have signals from Mars where I go over the um, you know happenings uh, with Mars attacks. I go over the new releases, which I posted earlier today. Uh, the big release this week is ACDC's uh, Power Up. And um, so I'll talk a little bit about that. I'll also hit on some you know, facts, or not facts, but uh, just different things that have been going on this week in hard rock and metal. So if you can join me, please do so. Uh, you can comment, you can join us in the chat. Um, there are various ways of checking these signals from Mars live stream out. Uh, you can do so on Twitch, on Periscope, on YouTube, and right on my personal Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash VMR907. Uh, if not for any of these others, you can just click right on right on the icon right there on MarsAttacksRadio.com and it'll and it'll take you there. So it'll be tonight. Uh, I'm recording this on Friday. Friday the 13th. So there you go. Um, in any event. The um, the live streams have been fun, been getting slowly but surely, you know, more and more people have been catching on, and uh, if you don't watch it live, you can always listen to it on the podcast, which I've been releasing the podcast version to keep, you know, feeding you guys with more episodes, and also you can check out the videos right there on all these different platforms afterwards, so there you go. Um... As far as uh, upcoming interviews, I have done an interview with Phil Rind of Sacred Reich, so that'll be coming shortly. Uh, there's a, again, one of the other perks from Patreon is that there's some cutting room floor material, some bonus material from this episode that you'll be able to listen to shortly. Uh, this month's bonus material will focus on uh, my interview with uh, Joey Vera from Armored Saint and Fate's Warning. And uh, it's it's actually pretty cool. It's actually one of the longer ones that I've done. The one with Jace Lewis, uh, I'll be honest, it's short. It's like about three minutes. But uh, I'm going to include some other banter about how the interview came about and just different things. So uh, anyway, without further ado, I want to play a track off of uh, the new Ascension of the Watchers album. Uh, this, this <laughs> you know, the the title is something that um uh that's difficult to say let, let me see apocrypha if i'm saying that right i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly anyway first single probably the closest thing to fear factory on this album it's called ghost heart let's listen to that before jumping on into the interview and then we'll end the interview with uh 
something else by the band, which Jace is going to set up as well. So let's get into a little ghost heart and then jump right on into that interview with Jace Lewis from Ascension of the Watchers. in contact with the guys in Ascension of the Watchers? Um, it was actually through uh, MySpace. Uh, Burton <laughs> contacted me. Um, I was... Uh, I had just signed with EMI. Okay. And, um, and I think MySpace did a, a sort of like a little feature, like a news feature at the time because I was signed to um, EMI and, and managed by um, a, a chap called uh, David Prowse, who played Darth Vader in Star Wars. Right. Uh, so there was a feature made about that, and then Burton contacted me, uh, ironically, from the Ascension of the Watchers page um, on MySpace, and I'd never heard of uh, Ascension of the Watchers. I'd heard of Fear Factory, but not of Ascension of the Watchers. And at that time, I was getting a, a quite a few messages. So a lot of messages sort of run me by, and I and I didn't really pay attention. But I think he had contacted me either for a second or a third time, mm-hmm. and said for me to check out the music, which I did. And I think he also wrote something like, "It's incredible that you're managed by the Dark Lord," or or something <laughs> like that. Right. Something that Burton would write, and. Uh, and then I, I went on their page and immediately recognized that it was Burton's voice. 
and uh, because I've been following Fear Factory for, for, for a long time. Sure. And we got acquainted that way, and um, we'd stayed in touch, uh, met up uh, a few times, and uh, and gone from that to becoming, you know, the best of friends over the last uh, last sort of you know six years or so. Um, so yeah, um, and I met John through through Burton. So right, actually, no, I met John Beckdale through Roy Mayorga, who's a friend of mine. He's in oh, okay. Stones. Yeah. Drummer in Stone Sour, so I met uh, I met uh, John through him, and it's just funny how everything sort of come to, come full circle now, when we're all in this project together. It's kind of funny that I was thinking the other day how a lot of things circle back to um, the Mortal Kombat soundtracks, um, and Ray actually did a remix of uh, Sepultura song for that and i believe john was involved in that somehow if i'm not mistaken um so it's funny how a lot of people got introduced to fear factory through the first mortal Kombat soundtrack and how everything is like a almost like a, a tree branching out and everyone's kind of interconnected <laughs> so oh, yeah. i mean the music world is like that you know yeah uh, it's yeah it's uh, very um tight-knit it's really cool yeah now correct me if i'm wrong because uh, with the promos, I get hardly any information, uh, and since the album isn't out yet, I mean, I don't have um, anything to basically lean on to uh, to ask more than the questions that I have, basically. Um, this is your first album that you're playing with Ascension of the Watchers? Yes, it is, yes, the first album, yep. Okay, and you... I mean, you play a lot of different instruments, obviously, in your solo project, um, but you're listed as a drummer on this. Is that the only thing that you did was play drums and program, or did you contribute any other uh, instruments to the album as well? Uh, primarily, I was a drummer um, in it. I mean, that's the most consistent instrument, and programmed a lot of synth work here, there, and everywhere. Okay. I mean, my are more um the synth work i did was a lot more on ghost heart and a track called the end is always the beginning uh, that's a majority of what you hear there is 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 mine okay. um uh i did i did play the guitar here and there um the guitar on apocrypha which is the uh title track although it was written by a guitarist called adu musi mm-hmm. i pref- i performed it on the album um, and I did a couple of, uh, I did a few backing vocals, um, on Bells of Perdition. Um, that was, uh, me and Burton doing vocals together for the first time. So, yeah, I, you know, we all sort of did a little bit really. Burton played bass, John played bass. Um, but because I was producing and mixing the whole album, you know, there was a few things that needed to be redone. So I did it myself. When you guys are fleshing out these ideas, obviously you being the producer, you, you get the final sort of touch on everything. Uh, for for you, I mean, you're you're kind of reviewing all this stuff, and and you're seeing that maybe there are holes and gaps that you can fill in with with different things that you can do. Uh, I'm assuming that all comes kind of organically. It isn't something that you kind of had premeditated going in before touching up some of these songs. Um, I, it it would really depend. I mean, um, I I knew right from the beginning that the production 
right from the start, my whole concept for the album was to make it as wide and as deep uh, as possible, you know, to, to really, you know, immerse the listener into the mix. I like them, you know, I like the listener to be able to almost, almost when they're listening to it on headphones, especially, you know, it, it's like as if they can look around the music, you know, they can look around the mix. Sure. Uh, so I had that right from the get go, but um, the songs, uh, they pretty much, you know, they pretty much kind of, they, I added, I did add a lot to them. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say there's a track called Honore, which I, which really needed rethinking. So I spent a lot of time on uh, really changing Burton's vocals on that, you know, with uh, to be resynthesized and elements like that to really make it a feature. Um, other than that, the songs are as they were written, really, by Burton. You know, they were, uh, yeah, you know, they they were pretty much played out as he demoed them. Um, there were the odd song here and there where there was just a piano, and then I added a lot, you know, interjected a lot of sort of musicianship on my part. Um, but I'm really glad to say that the two songs that I was involved with right from the right from um, the beginning was uh, was Ghost Heart and uh, The End is Always the Beginning. They were the two that me and Burton's minds were really together on. And ironically, I think they're probably the most weightiest and heaviest uh, songs on the album, you know? Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. Um, yeah. Especially Ghost Heart, I mean, was the first thing that was released. I mean, that was... I don't want to say it's, you know, 100% sounds like Fear Factory, but I would say it's more tailored towards that audience. So it kind of makes sense to to release something like that first. Um, although, yeah. I mean, I think once you kick the door open, anyone who follows Burton or your work, you know, is going yeah. to be able to sink their teeth into the rest of the album. Yeah, I think it's a good representation of putting our minds together for those two songs anyway. What you have to bear in mind is that, you know, the rest of the album was written over 10 years by Burton. Um, right. So, you know, I'm sure when we get to write, when we get to do the next album, you know, I'll be more involved with the, the sort of process of, of, of writing it with Bert and John. And, uh, and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that songs like Ghost Heart and The End is Always the Beginning, that kind of themed style would probably play out a lot more um but you know i'm very proud of what we've done so far okay and how do you prepare mentally going into this project as opposed to working on your solo stuff is there a difference in how you want to approach the songs or do you kind of you know go into it maybe trying to feel out everyone else before trying to add your stuff to the tracks um well because i'm a producer i you know part of my job like a producer an engineer and a mixing engineer you know it's you kind of find a you find your feet with the artist you're recording with and you're trying to encourage their strengths and help their weaknesses you know um, right. and you get a good idea to to sort of mold that and sculpt it when you're mixing Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had the benefit of having that experience, but also as an artist, you know, and being a very close friend to Bert, 
you know that side of it was also very familiar and and uh, and quite easy and um the both of us kind of like the same thing although in different generations um because he's older than i am uh but you know we yeah you know we were on the same page a lot of the time and it came together very easily it was just a pleasure so i was able to attack it from two different angles as an artist and a mixing producer engineer quite easily really uh and thankfully everything that i did do in producing or programming you know a lot of it burton was was massively a fan of and uh yeah, it was very natural. The whole thing was a very natural coming together. Okay. Uh, you mentioned David Prose before, yes. who was obviously known for playing Darth Vader, as you mentioned before. Yeah. How did you first end up meeting him? Oh, God, that, that, was, at a con- that was at a convention years ago, you know, uh, almost 18 or 19 years ago now. Oh, um, Yeah, um, we've became really good, we became really good friends right from that um but uh you know he became a real big part of my music career he he wanted to manage it um and uh you know he's he's been a vital uh component of my career and and um almost become a, a family member you know we've we became very close uh but yeah it was at a convention and uh i queued up to have his autograph uh <laughs> for about an hour or two and um it was his uh it was his son james that kind of recognized me from a project i was in at that time called losing son uh, i was a drummer in that band and his son well his son james wasn't sure if i was the drummer and uh, obviously i was and i think dave kind of picked up on the fact that you know wow that you know this this who's this guy that my son knows? So, um, <laughs> who's in the entertainment industry, uh, much like himself. And, uh, yeah, we sort of went off for a coffee, uh, during his signing, uh, session and, um, and got exchanging details and, and kept in touch right after that. So it was a very chance meeting and one that evolved from that to becoming very close friends, management, uh, and quite a journey on my part, you know, I was to be in his world was insane for, for, for me, <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, sitting down and having beers with princess Leia and, and Luke Skywalker with Dave and, you know, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a rather surreal, uh, time of my life and something that I'll never forget in a hurry. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I can imagine. <laughs> I do another podcast which is focused on um, the, largely on Star Wars. It's a lot of different, you know, oh. sci-fi type stuff. So when I saw that, you know, you had, uh, you know, that he was your manager and whatnot, I was like, I, I can't let this get by. You know, I have to ask <laughs> about it. So and yeah. I can imagine dealing with the fans and everything else uh, is is interesting. There's there's a motto that we. Um, that we often say on the show, there's nothing better than Star Wars fans, and there's nothing worse than Star Wars fans. So, um, well, um, for the whole, you know, uh, uh, the Star Wars fans, I mean, they're all really great people. You know, um, uh, I would say the in, being on the inside of Star Wars and some of the actors and how some of them 
didn't necessarily get along with each other and and also um you know even dave's famously uh has got a a problem between him and and george lucas which was so unfortunate because i i think uh you know they could have done a lot with each other a lot more but right it's there's been a war going on between them for years which is uh really sad yeah, that's that's a shame. Um, one one of uh, the first guests that we had on that other podcast, he was actually in charge of directing like some of the behind the scenes footage that they did with the, I think the original DVD release or it may have been when they released them on Blu-ray for the first time. And he interviewed Mark Hamill for something obscene like six hours, and in the end they kept like eight minutes. What? Ridiculous. Yeah, because they didn't like a lot of the the commentary that Mark Hamill had done. You know, there was he had some issues with George as well, and and of course, since um, since they were behind what was getting on the the bonus features or not, they just kept you know out of six hours, eight minutes. That's ridiculous. And um, mm. we were informed that there was so much great like inside stories that he had told, and it was a shame that it was all essentially cut and. You know, fell by the wayside, but um, I don't know that that it it sucks. It, it boggles the mind how um, how some of that has gone. But um, uh, be, being a fan of essentially almost everything that they've released, um, you you would hope that they would have done better by David and by some of the other uh, actors. But you know. Yeah, it's it's a shame, man. It's it's I don't know. It's uh, Star Wars seems to make and break a lot of actors. You know, it's yeah. Um, yeah, it's I mean all the recent Star Wars stuff. I couldn't name you. I like the guy that plays Kylo Ren. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember, yeah. you know, he was. I think he should have been the original Anakin because the the anger in him and all of that is is perfect. Um, you know, but. Um, yeah, I think the best era of, of Star Wars was really was when when Dave was was Darth Vader, you know, and uh, yeah. episode three, four, uh, three, four. No, which one was it? Um, four, four, five, and six. six. Yeah, yeah, the ones really for me. Yeah. Um, oh, there you go. You can't change history. Yeah. Um, are you still in contact with him at all? Because I know he stepped out of the spotlight a few years back, and of course, when someone steps away, there's all types of rumors going on. Do you get to talk to him uh, now and then, or? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We do speak. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we, you know, we we're very close. So yeah, okay. I speak. To him, I speak to Dave and I speak to Norma, his wife. Um, you know, regularly. Um, and I go up there and and we go out for dinner and yeah, yeah. No, oh, okay. all is well. All is well. Yeah. Oh, great to hear. You did a, a documentary piece as well with him involved. How yes. different? of a creative outlet is it for you to to be a producer be a musician as opposed to working behind the camera and putting a documentary together uh well the documentary you're on about um the force's mouth um so i did that more as a as a kind of a thank you really to dave because okay uh, it was bringing together a few things involving uh, Rupert Neve Designs using their products um, because they were at the time, you know, they they given me an endorsement. So some of it was to promote that. Um, 
but also it was an opportunity to really find out what Dave would sound like as Darth Vader because I think he had some very unfair uh, judgment and stick uh, over the fact that he's, you know that some of the clips that I've seen, which is an unproduced uh, an unpostproduced um, film clip of Dave shouting through the mask. I mean, when anybody shouts through the mask, you know, <laughs> their voice is a lot higher in timbre because it's a, a different part of your body. Yeah. Whereas, you know, when it's a lot more relaxed, um, you know, and I know this as a vocalist and as a producer, you know, the, the voice is, for a man, it's very different. It's more throat. Um, mm-hmm. It's less diaphragm. So I'm not saying that Dave... Uh, sounds any deeper than James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones's voice is insanely amazing and was perfect. <laughs> but it was to give everybody an insight into when relaxed and when coached to just talk rather than scream your head off um, to put fear in 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 the other cast members. You know um, that you know you can get something quite sinister, and that's what we got out of Dave. We got this very sinister, dark. English sort of accent. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's still got his Bristolian twang, <laughs> uh, which is well, not it's not both not fortunate or unfortunate, but it is what it is. And uh, right, but you know, the timbre of Day's voice was was uh, easily um, affectable, and uh, um, so by putting on some chorus and a bit of flanger and a few other bits, it uh, sounded pretty convincing to me. You know, I thought he could have played both the character in body and in voice. Right. Yeah, that's that's kind of weird. I, I mean, after what's going on now with everyone having to wear masks and everything, you hope <laughs> that people would yeah. understand it's harder to breathe, harder to talk, so on and so forth. Yeah. So with that, with everything that he was wearing at that time, I mean, that's yeah. ridiculous that... Yeah. You know, he couldn't see either. He couldn't, you know, he, <laughs> yeah. he could only see through the, the mouthpiece of um of the mask um but you know it's uh history is history and and um i was glad to be able to give a little something back to dave and and it was really weird when when i affected it up and then played it back to him in the studio you know it was i could just see this glare in his face where i don't know it sort of it sort of um ticked a few boxes for him and also answered a few questions you know sure Uh, which I'm really glad to have had the uh, the you know the the opportunity to have done for a good friend. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm I'm sure based on what you're saying, you know, that's not to say that it's haunted him, but you know, it's one of those things that I'm sure has been lingering in his mind all these years. So that's great that you're able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and all these other people before, but you've worked with some interesting musicians over the years as well. People like Gary Newman and uh, Roger Taylor and Brian May from Queen as well, who are, you know, rock royalty pretty much almost the equivalent of like uh, Carrie Fish- Fisher and a Mark Hamill to, uh, you know, yeah. definitely fans of, of Star Wars. With these artists being so big and 
pioneering and important. Um, how, how does one approach them to be involved in their music, or, you know, in your music? Uh, was there any hesitation on your behalf to work with any of them? Or, you know, were you calm, cool, and collective going in, figuring that you'd be able to, to get them involved? Uh, no, I was pretty relaxed about the whole thing, to be honest. Um, okay. I think I... Ha- I mean, the first time that Brian May spoke to me, um, I did have a little moment. <laughs> uh, I was actually having my hair cut with my friend, uh, the guy that cuts my hair, Wayne, Wayne Keane. And, uh, and um, Brian emailed me and uh, said he would love to do, you know, love to love to work with me, given that I had work, worked with Roger prior, Roger prior to that. And right. um and uh yeah i had a little moment because uh if i could have told the the you know the toddler the, the you know the, the five or six year old me that brian would would want to do that and and uh and that we'd be speaking i wouldn't have believed it right um but um yeah we did it and uh you know he's a very brian's a very humble and down to earth person um rogers you know, great fun and uh, and Gary Newman. I mean, oh man, you know, me and Gary, we've done so much together. We've toured a lot. Um, you know, I've stayed over his house in LA with him and his family. Uh, Gary's a Gary's a very rare breed of human being, really, where he's had everything and still has it all, and is yet very modest, very welcoming, very open, and um, and a legend as well. And uh, I'm very lucky to be able to call him a friend. You know, he's, he's a great guy. Yeah. Gary's someone that I was a casual fan of, but I saw the documentary that I guess the BBC did on him a few years ago. And I just went full, full head, you know, just dove right into his music afterwards because like you're saying, it gave you an appreciation for the person and it made it brought the music a lot closer to me so it kind of gave me more of an emotional connection with what he had been doing all these years where i didn't have that kind of connection previous so uh i I can appreciate what you're saying yeah he's a i mean he's a he's the real deal you know um he's a very talented man and uh and again like dave prowse uh, prior to that, you know, he's he's uh, he's done a lot for me and a lot with me as Gary. So um, I, he's you know he's again I'm very lucky to call him a friend and and we've had many many good times um, on tour and off tour and uh, yeah I, I love him and I I love his family as well they're just great people. If you have uh, a wish list or do you have a wish list should I say? of artists that you haven't worked with that you'd love to work with? Uh, yeah, I've been asked this before and I, so far, um, I've almost done everything I ever wanted to. Uh, you know, I mean, the fact that I'm in a band with Burton for one is a, is a great thing. You know, I've been a follower of Burton's work for years. Um, you know, I loved Star Wars and <laughs> I, loved, I loved Queen. I would love to work with ZZ Top. Okay. Uh, that's a band I'd love to work with, ZZ Top. Um, 
and uh, and I would love to do stuff with uh, Lana Del Rey. Um, huh. I'd love to work with Lana Del Rey. I think her voice is insane. Um, really, so mesmerizing. Uh, I'd love to work with her. Other than that, I think everything else I've done, um, I could die a happy man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let me approach this from a producer standpoint. Is there an album of yours, a favorite, that perhaps you would have loved to have produced or been a fly in the wall in the studio? Oh, wow. Um, I must say probably Metallica's Black Album. That okay. kept kept me fascinated for a very long time just the size of that was in it was amazing at the time it came out right i remember again being a, a young kid and i was fascinated by it um and then machine head black um machine head uh, burn my eyes that was a, a second behind that and probably fear factories demanufacture or obsolete album um i love the production on both those albums uh so yeah I, I would love to have been involved with with probably those uh four albums most definitely cool great albums all of them oh they are circling back to the ascension of the watchers album mm -hmm. there are a lot of artists that initially decided to push the release of their new albums off because of the pandemic yeah. Was there ever any discussion to postpone the release of this album, or were you guys dead set on releasing it now? We were trying to. I wouldn't say we were postponing it. We did at the at the preliminary stage with the label. We did want to release it around December time because of the pandemic, so that it would near our touring plans right. for next year. Um. But because the label was aware of a few other re releases here, there and everywhere, and that really the album sounds like 2020, you know, uh, right. the whole pandemic. A lot of people have said if, if, if two, you know, if 2020 could have a, 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 an album, <laughs> it would be it. So, we can we kind of went along with it and uh you know we've got a, a good pr team in both america and europe and uh everybody's doing their job great and and everybody's talking about the album you know and and uh, we couldn't wish for more than that so i think right now october the 9th is probably the right time actually okay and where should people go to keep up with all the projects that you're involved in uh well, um, there is my own website, jacelewis.com, um, but for Ascension of the Watchers, uh, there is a, an ascensionofthewatchers.com on uh, the internet and uh, the Facebook, and there's an Instagram as well. And, um, yeah, you know, there's, right now my whole focus is Ascension of the Watchers. Okay. Uh, I couldn't be more excited than to be involved in a project that's doing music that I, I love, really. Awesome. And to wrap things up, can you pick a track off of the album um, and give us a reason behind why you're you're picking the track, and maybe you know a little story behind why the track is special to you? Oh, um, I would have to say 
it's the end is always the beginning, uh, which is our um, second single. And the reason why um, is because the backstory of of why it was written um, is very poignant. Um, musically, uh, you know, I was involved with it right from its conception. So, uh, you know, it's it's there's a lot of reasoning behind why that song exists and why it's about to be released um soon as the second single it's uh it's a it's a very big track and uh you know me and burton when we were writing it together in the studio and 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 producing it you know we were oh man we were up late working on it the synths on it came together um i programmed everything on it and uh and it really uh it was something that came together very, very quick, very, very quick. So um, it feels like if, if me and Bert ever got a song together, this would be it. <laughs> is always the beginning the second track off of ascension of the watchers apocrypha check it out if you want to pick the album up 
by all means, do so. Use our Amazon links. Not uh, trying to horn myself out here, but hey, if you can help out, be more than happy to receive a small kickback in return. So there you go. Shit's tough for everyone. So uh, trying to do what we can to make ends meet. Anyway, I want to thank Liz from EarSplit PR for helping set that up. Uh, it was a lot of fun to talk to Jace. You guys got to hear him talk about, you know, stuff that's uh, more or less royalty for me on my other podcast on Galaxy of Geeks uh, to talk about, you know, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and, of course, David Browse. So, so cool. Uh, I really like, you know, the, these first two tracks, I have to honestly say, are probably my favorite two off of the album. And I remember receiving the promo and seeing Sign Your Name and I thought it was Call Your Name off of um, uh, the other band that uh, that Burton had called City of Fire. And I was like, wow, let me see what twist he's applied on this song. And I start to listen to it. And I'm like, wait, this isn't that song. I, you know, it's one of these things where I put it on and I've got something else going on. I'm listening to the lyrics in the back. I'm like, holy shit, this is a Terrence Trent Darby cover and you know burton's covered a lot of different things over the years the cult u2 um uh, head of david um there's a ton of stuff that that you know burton has covered in various bands so um so for it to be a you know a pop hit from my middle school years uh didn't come all that much of a surprise you know because i i see Ascension of the Watchers is being like almost like a heavier version of of like The Cure, something along those lines. So I don't know. <laughs> I hope I didn't turn anyone off by that because I know that metal fans can be fickle and they won't give things a try. You know, just because, oh, no, that's that's not, you know, that's not metal or that's not hard rock. Well, listen to something like Fascination Street or, or Us versus Them by The Cure. And those are some of their heavier tracks. And they've been covered, at least Fascination Street has been covered by bands like Chimera. So there you go. Uh, anyway, I want to uh, end this episode. Um, I'm going to end it with a Fear Factory track. Uh, only because, you know, listening to this really got me jonesing for um, something off of Obsolete. The uh, name of the track is Smasher Devourer off of Obsolete. This is one of my all-time favorite tracks by Fear Factory. And this is uh, a good way to head on into the weekend and tonight's Signals from Mars episode. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode. And we'll see you right here on the Mars Attacks podcast. See ya! Salvation. Oh.
you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 